Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. Hello and welcome back to the Healing Embodied Podcast. This is your host, Chelsea Horton. I'm so excited for today's episode. It is actually um, a recording from an event I did a couple years ago. So I've just taken the audio from that uh, event and uploaded it for you here today. Let's roll. Today's topic is dealing with differences in relationships. This is probably one of the most frequently dealt with things um, with our clients. Uh, Relationship anxiety loves to latch on to the differences that we have between us and our partners. So I've never really (laughs) gone a very long time without talking about this topic with our clients because it is so prevalent in the relationship anxiety community. And so I've put together a nice juicy episode for you. This topic is so near and dear to my heart because this is one of the biggest things that my relationship anxiety latched onto in my relationship. So I just wanna give a little bit of a background about what this looked like for me and how this showed up for me. Um, if you're not sure yourself of, of if maybe your relationship anxiety is latching on to your differences with your partner. Okay, so I know I, I <clears throat> talk about my story a lot, but I also know a lot of new people are coming into this community and, and maybe don't know this part of my story. But I came from a very um, fundamentalist Christian household, Christian upbringing, Um, I was taught very explicitly that you cannot, cannot date someone who doesn't have the same religious and spiritual, and usually that meant political. Our church was also very, um, uh, had a very political stance. A lot of churches tend to do that in in the West as well, or in America. Um, I was told very explicitly that I couldn't date someone of a different religion or had different spiritual beliefs and even someone that wasn't as committed to the faith as me. Maybe they were a Christian, but if they weren't as committed and had the exact same uh, relationship with God that I did, I could not date this person. And if I did, it meant that I wasn't really um, a true believer. It meant that I didn't really care about my faith. Um, So I got these very explicit messages. And it also meant that I was going to be pulled away from the faith if I dated someone of a different religion, of a different spiritual belief, or someone who wasn't as committed to the faith as me. So that's, you know, my background. And my husband was raised Catholic. And he, I I was so committed to the faith. 
I helped start churches. I went to Bible college. Like I was all in. And for him, Christianity or Catholicism never, it never really sat with him in the same way that it did with me. And my parents were both, they met, you know, through the church and his parents, his dad was kind of agnostic and his mom was very, a very devoted Catholic. So he got to see how two people with different spiritual beliefs could have a wonderful, healthy marriage. Um, and I was taught from a very young age that that wasn't possible. And not only was it not possible, but it was actually very frowned upon from the church community and frowned upon by God. So when I met my husband, my now husband, Matt, um, you know, from the get-go, we were very upfront. Um, he was like, yeah, it doesn't, you know, the faith doesn't really mean much for me. And it meant a lot for me, but yeah. <laughs> Yet I couldn't, um, I kind of said in my mind on our first date, yep, no, this isn't going to work. This couldn't possibly work. Yeah, this is nice, but no. Um, yet I couldn't help the connection I felt with Matt, my now husband. And it went against everything I had ever been taught um, that people who aren't of the same faith are amoral and are going to like, you're not going to have this great relationship. And yet I felt so safe and so seen and so desired and so supported in this relationship I was building. And it was, it caused so much anxiety because it went against everything I was taught. Um, here I was doing the very thing that I was taught was so wrong to be with someone of a different faith. And not only did we have differences in faith and in spiritual beliefs, our personalities and our interests were incredibly different. We used to joke all the time and say, um, you know, we, we would have never matched on a dating app because on paper or on, you know, when you write out who you are and, and what you like, we would have just wiped away. We met in person, um, but you know, on paper, we just seem so incompatible. I am a very deep thinker. I'm very um, into spirituality and self self development. Um, I'm very like existential. My brain is never it never shuts up. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very deep, very empathic. And my husband is very logical. Um, his mind doesn't go to the places that my mind does. He like he's not really interested in having these crazy existential conversations. And so I pretty much thought that these differences were a deal breaker. Because um, I'm like, well, I'm so deep and I'm so oh my gosh, I'm so like amazing and spiritual and and he's not and. You know, like, that's just never going to work. Maybe I should be with someone who's really deep like me. And I was uh, in my master's program to become a therapist at the time. And so I'm like, maybe I should be with like another therapist. And <laughs> and uh, I had pretty much written off like this just isn't going to work. This just isn't going to work. My anxiety was convinced. My fear was convinced that if we had differences, it just couldn't 
work. It was going to end in catastrophe. I was going to feel so unfulfilled down the road. Do you fear, oh my gosh, it's just not going to work. It's going to end up horribly. You know, we're not supposed to have these kinds of differences. Um, maybe we're not compatible enough. Maybe I should find someone who thinks like me, who likes all the things that I like, who has the same kind of spiritual beliefs as me. Because this, I've heard this many a time, many a time, my friends. I know I'm not alone in this. So here's the thing. My anxiety was focused on these surface level things, on the things that I was always told were deal breakers. I was told from the religious culture, I was told from family um, that these are the shoulds, these are the rules you need to follow, that compatibility, and even in our culture, we hear compatibility, compatibility, compatibility. But what does compatibility even mean according to society? When you hear the word compatibility, what, what's the definition that comes to your mind? Oh, are you compatible? Are you compatible? Take this compatibility test. Swipe. I don't even know the directions. I've never been on a dating app. <laughs> Swipe this way if you're compatible. Um, what, what does compatibility even mean according to our culture, according to the cultural narrative? And when I've asked this question, what I hear a lot and what I even asked myself, what I hear a lot is you're similar. That compatibility means you think the same way, you like similar things. Like, you know, everything is just like, oh yeah, we jive on everything. Compatibility means similar or same or having lots of similarities. So we're given messages from our family from maybe if we have a religion we were brought up in, from our society, that differences are bad. <laughs> that differences end in misery. So we're told from so many different places, whether it's experiences, seeing our parents who are different, ended up hating each other. We're told explicitly that differences are gonna like be the downfall of your relationship. We're told from dating sites and movies, that compatibility means you're similar. So no wonder why we get so anxious and have so much fear when you and your partner have differences or have certain traits. And we're told that differences equal catastrophe. So the anxious brain is going to latch onto that and say, if we're different, I'm going to get hurt. If we're different, I'm doing something wrong. That was a big thing for me. I'm doing something wrong. I'm bad. And if I'm doing something wrong, I'm, there's just no way I could have a thriving, successful relationship. So my anxiety latched onto that and made that meaning, that fear-based meaning about the differences. So I, have a, I want to leave you with a question here. What are the stories that you have been told explicitly or implicitly about differences or even about certain traits? 
certain personality traits, certain interests. What traits or beliefs or, or things were you told weren't acceptable? Or what traits were lifted up as superior? <laughs> Sit with that, inquire about that. Because I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give a little spoiler alert to something I'm gonna go into. It's really not about the differences. It's about the stories you were told about differences. It's not about the differences. It's about the stories you were told about differences, where we are made to feel afraid of those who think and believe and act differently from us. So what are, what are some of the traits you were told weren't acceptable or what traits were more elevated? And for me, the traits that were seen as superior was being this deep thinker and this like overly like empathic, compassionate soul. Like I just thought that like I was so superior because this is the way I viewed the world. That because I was spiritual, that I was like, I was just like so amazing because I was so spiritual and such a deep thinker. So those traits were elevated and therefore I looked down on my partner because he didn't have those traits, because he was logical, because he wasn't this bleeding heart like me. And the thing is, is what you reject in yourself, you reject in your partner. I'm gonna say that again. What you reject in yourself, you reject in your partner. So if I was taught that like being spiritual and a deep thinker is superior, that means I've rejected simplicity. I've rejected taking things as they are in life. That that was inferior. So I rejected that in my, I rejected that in my partner. The things I rejected in myself, I rejected in my partner. Another big one <laughs> that I see a lot is laziness laziness when your partner my partner is so good at relaxing he's so good at doing nothing and what are we usually taught about that oh, productivity 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 equals worth so maybe when you have a partner who d doesn't always want to go, 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 produce, 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 do, 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 do. Maybe they do just want to play video games. Maybe they do just want to watch a show on the couch. Maybe they do just want to take it easy. And, and we have rejected that. A lot of us have rejected, especially if you're an anxious type, you're probably the type that always has to do something. I'm talking to myself here. You're always the type that has to be productive. You're terrified of slowing the fuck down and you, you base your worthiness on your doingness. And if you have a partner who is not like that, guess what? If you've rejected the ability to rest, if you've rejected lack of productivity within yourself, you're gonna reject it in your partner. And guess what? You're gonna say, oh, my partner's just so lazy and I just don't know what to do. They're just so lit. They don't like, the, they're not, blah, 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 blah. right? You've rejected rest and lack of productivity in yourself. So you reject it in your partner. And I want to read a quote from my, the amazing spiritual teacher and author Eckhart Tolle. 
He says, anything that you resent and strongly react to in another is also in you. So if you're getting anxious and fearful and nitpicky about something your partner does or doesn't do or thinks, if you're getting so reactive, fearful, anxious, look inward, inquire, is there anything that they are doing that I've actually rejected in myself that I have been taught to see as less than? I've also seen this uh, around um, the ability to be really social. If your partner is not an extrovert, <laughs> I am kind of in between introvert and extrovert and my partner is like, he's like full introvert. <laughs> if we have um, rejected lack of socialness in ourselves, we're gonna reject that in our partner. If we have elevated extrovertism as being superior to being introverted, we're going to reject our partner's lack of desire for social parties. We're going to reject that in our partner. So if you are reacting strongly, maybe your partner isn't the funniest at the party or isn't the smoothest talker or the deepest thinker or the most spiritual when you're around your friends. If you have a strong reaction of anxiety and fear to that, that means there's something you're probably rejecting in yourself. Chelsea, damn it. You didn't tell me you're gonna be calling me out this much in this episode. Jeez. I thought this episode was gonna be about my partner. No, honey. It's always about us. It always comes back to us and how we relate to ourselves and how we were taught to relate to others. So why do we get so anxious about differences? Why do we have so much fear around them? One. It's about the stories we were told about differences, the stories we were told about certain traits. Two, what you reject in yourself, you reject in your partner. If you have a strong reaction to something your partner thinks, says, does, embodies, maybe it's time to inquire and see what, what have I rejected in myself that I'm now resenting in my partner. The third reason why we get so anxious and fearful when our partner is different from us in some way is that we have learned that our beliefs, our interests, our, even our personality is our identity. It's the whole of who we are. When I was a really intense Christian that was the that was my identity the whole of who I am and what this is it's an ego tactic the ego gets its identity and value from what we believe what you do how you look etc it the ego thrives on these surface level things it's my identity. And if anyone questions or has differences from my identity, then my identity is threatened. So maybe you have a, a particular belief about something and your partner isn't quite on the same page. If you feel fear and the need to change your partner, that's the ego. That's the ego trying to maintain its identity. And it feels that its identity is being threatened because someone does not agree with you. 
feel like the internet right now. I mean, <laughs> we're seeing this so much that we, we, the ego derives its identity from what you believe, what you do, and how you look. And the thing is, as those beliefs I had in the beginning of my relationship, those spiritual beliefs, I don't have the same spiritual beliefs anymore. Did I, did I die? Did I lose my identity? No, there was something deeper underneath those beliefs. That is my true identity. But the ego gets its identity and its sense of self from these things and says, I am this belief. I am this activity that I like to do. I am this physical trait. Or my partner is their physical trait. My partner is this belief. And it believes like that this is set in stone. That these things are, you're, this is set in stone. If you believe this, this is who you are. And it's never going to change. And, and the thing is about the ego is it loves to think that it's superior. <laughs> it says things like the way I think is the right way. The fact that I was so deep and spiritual and existential and just like so empathic. Like that's the right way to be. And anyone who isn't like me is inferior. The things I like are superior. <laughs> the way I look, the way I dress is superior. And we can, we can look at that part of us with love because we all have that part of us. We can actually, I love to use humor with that part of myself when I look back and see how much my ego was identified with my beliefs, with my personality. Yeah, my personality, I am a deep thinker. I'm very empathic. I'm very like woo woo. But my ego made an identity out of that and said that anyone who is different from that or thought differently or perceived the world differently was inferior. And that anxiety will latch onto that and will say, you've got to change. If you don't think like me, if you don't like the things I like, if you're different from me, you've got to change. Because the way I do things is the right way. And that's why you've got to change. Chelsea, goddammit, stop it. Stop it. Stop making me think about myself. You're supposed to change my partner. Come on, Chelsea. Okay, we're ready for the last reason why we get so anxious about differences. Okay. It's because we have a lack of control. Your partner being their own person, having their own beliefs, having different ways of going about the world and having differences, it's out of your control. You cannot control another human being. You cannot change someone's beliefs. You cannot change the way someone does something, which means it's out of your control. And if we know anything about anxiety is that it craves control. When it has uncertainty and it feels out of control, it's going to go on overdrive. So it's going to start nitpicking. <laughs> it's going to start demanding that your partner think and do things the way you do. It's going to start judging. It's going to start criticizing. 
it's going to start trying to convince. I did that so much in the beginning of my relationship, trying to convince Matt to come to my spiritual beliefs. Because remember, mine were the right way. Mine were the superior beliefs. The way his spiritual beliefs and, and the way he thought, that was inferior. So the fact that he didn't think the way I did and he had his own beliefs was out of my control. And anxiety was like, oh, hell no. So I've got to convince you to do things the way I do them and to think the way that I think. So we get so anxious about our partner's differences because it's out of our control. They are their own human being. And anxiety is like, no, but I need to be able to control you and I need you to do the things that I like to do and I need you to think the way I like to think because if, if you don't, then I'm going to get triggered. And ah! So it makes so much sense that we get anxious about differences. There's all these factors at play. We've been told stories about differences. We have certain narratives around differences. That differences mean you, you just can't be in relationship with someone. We were told stories about certain traits. What's inferior, what's superior. We reject certain things in ourselves, so we reject those things in our partner. Number three, we have identified with our beliefs, with the, our hobbies, how we look. And so if our partner doesn't, you know, embodies the things that we reject in ourselves, then we're gonna reject them and feel anxious and feel fearful and critical. And then finally, the fact that your partner has differences means they're their own person and that's out of your control. <laughs> And anxiety wants control. Anxiety wants control. But we can't control another human being and how they think and what they do. So anxiety is going to criticize, judge, nitpick, convince, manipulate in order to get someone to be more in your control. So now, how can we shift our perspective? If you're still, I feel like I've scared some people off for real. Okay, so here, that's why we get anxious. That's why we get critical. That's why we get fearful. That's why we nitpick. That's why we look, is the grass greener somewhere else? That, but, and the reality is, is we are never, ever, 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 ever going to find someone on this planet who has the exact same viewpoints at all times and the exact same hobbies and the exact same everything. Because by nature, we're two different people who've come from two different backgrounds, had different experiences, different personalities that then perceive the world differently. So by nature, no two human beings are exactly identical. We're not gonna find a carbon copy of ourselves. So we're going to have to learn to get comfortable with differences, okay? Okay, so, how can we shift our perspective around differences? How can we start to get comfortable with differences instead of seeking control and, and fearing what will happen if we have differences with our partner? So we need to ask ourselves, are differences actually the problem? Are the differences in interests, the differences in how we see things, the differences in attractiveness? Yes, I went there. The differences in style, the differences in tastes. Is that actually 
the problem. It's not the differences that are the problem. It's the belief about one's own beliefs. It's not about the beliefs. It's the belief about your beliefs. Do you remember when I said, if you believe that your beliefs are superior and anyone who thinks and does and feels differently than you is inferior, that's where the differences become the problem. It's not the differences, it's your beliefs about your differences. It's the beliefs about your own beliefs and preferences. If you believe that the way you think and the way you do things and the way you act is the way, is the right way, you're going to then treat anyone who has differences in a, in a certain way that maybe isn't in alignment with what you truly desire. So if you believe, no, the way I see things is the right way, it's going to cause fights and conflict um judgments criticism it's no longer going to feel safe to express your partner's no longer going to feel safe to express themselves in the relationship because they're so they they're so afraid that if they say the wrong thing or if they don't agree with you that they're going to get chewed up <laughs> and for the person who said you know they witnessed their parents who were so different end up hating each other i imagine that this was actually the problem it wasn't the differences, it was their beliefs about their own beliefs and preferences and therefore how they treated one another when it came to differences. So if the differences in themselves aren't the problem, but it's the way we believe, what we believe about the differences and therefore how we treat others who are different, then let's shift the focus from needing to be similar to being better at navigating differences. Because like I said before, you are bound to come up against differences in your relationship. Differences in the way you do things, even different differences in preference of cleanliness of the house, you know, like differences in how you load the dishwasher. <laughs> like just from small differences to big differences, like me and my husband's spiritual beliefs. I, I no longer believe what I used to believe, but I'm still a very spiritual person. And I see the world through this very woo-woo lens. And he's like, what? what? That makes no sense. What are you talking about? So we see the world very differently. And yet we coexist, not only just like, okay, we can get along. We have a beautiful, delicious, thriving relationship. So instead of shifting the focus from needing your partner to like all the same things you do, to load the dishwasher the same way you do, to even have the same spiritual beliefs. Yes, I'm saying something a bit controversial. And of course, there's always nuance to this. There's always nuance to this. But I truly believe it's not the differences that are the problems. It's the beliefs about your differences and therefore how you treat another person based on these beliefs about your beliefs. So can you be more understanding? Can you see the common ground, even in the differences? Can you be a bit more open? Can you be a bit more accepting? Can you see the human, the human beneath the preferences, the beliefs, even the appearance? Can you see and relate to the human being underneath all of this surface stuff? Because guess what? Our beliefs can change. The things we like to do can change. 
our personality can even change. I am very different. I mean, I have a lot of similarities because like I'm still quirky and weird and whatnot, but I mean, I'm so different from when Matt first met me. The things I believe, um, what I believe about myself, even the things I like to do. I, I became a pole dancer after Matt married me, okay? And, <laughs> and uh, he's not a big fan of it, but um, again, we can navigate those differences with grace. Um, so the things we like to do, our beliefs, these things can change even from seven, five, oh, gosh, what year is it? Even from seven years ago, my political beliefs are different. My spiritual beliefs are different. How I view so many things are different. So these are really, these are things that can change. But the thing that will never change is that your partner is a human being. So can you be, can you begin to relate to the human being, the soul underneath all the surface stuff? That's going to make it a lot easier to navigate differences. Can you be more understanding? Can you see the human? Can you be more open? Can you be more accepting? This is really what we all need to work on. <laughs> this is really what helps any relationship thrive is understanding, openness, acceptance, seeing the humanity in another person regardless of their differences and knowing that they are deserving of respect. Even if you're like, I really don't agree. I, babe, I love you. I don't agree. And me, me and Matt have things like that of like, when it comes to like pole dancing and, and like female sexuality and expression and uh, things like that, we, we have some disagreements, fundamental disagreements about that. But guess what? I know he's a human being. He has different ways of viewing the world. So I try to be understanding of maybe where he's coming from, even though I'm like, I so disagree. <gasps> he's a human being. Underneath all that, underneath our disagreements, our different ways of seeing things, underneath all that, he's a soul. He's a facet of consciousness, expressing itself as the human that is Matt Horton. <laughs> So can we dive beneath the surface and relate to the human? That every human, we just want to be loved and seen and heard and respected. Yeah. And I want to read a quote from Alain de Baton. He is a British philosopher and a cynic around romanticism. Uh, please go to YouTube and watch his stuff about love. It is amazing. Um, so I want to read a quote from him. He says, okay, I want you to listen to this because it's good stuff. I remember stumbling upon his work when I was going through relationship anxiety and it just was so helpful in shifting my perspective around differences. Okay. Okay. This is such a good quote. I, just, I want you to be prepared. All right, you ready for the quote? Because it's so good. And it goes against what our culture says. The person who is best suited to us is not the person who shares our every taste. Such person does not exist. But the person who can negotiate differences in taste intelligently 
the person who is good at disagreement. Rather than some notional idea of perfect, perfect complementarity, it is the capacity to tolerate differences with generosity that is the true marker of the not overly wrong person. Because he believes everyone marries the wrong person. There's no such thing as a right person. <laughs> Everyone's a little wrong for us. So it's the capacity to tolerate differences with generosity that is the true marker of the not overly wrong person. Compatibility is an achievement of love. It must not be its precondition. I'm going to read that again because I think that quote is bomb. The person who is best suited to us is not the person who shares our every taste. Such person does not exist. But the person who can negotiate differences in taste intelligently. The person who is good at disagreement. Rather than some notional idea of perfect complementarity, it is the capacity to tolerate differences with generosity that is the true marker of the not overly wrong person. Compatibility is an achievement of love. It must not be its precondition. Compatibility is an achievement of love. It must not be its precondition. Tolerating differences, being good at disagreement, not attacking each other's character because we're different, not criticizing and judging each other because we're different, but negotiating differences with grace and understanding. Is it still messy? Is it still going to cause some arguments? Yeah. But again, it's not about the differences. It's about the beliefs about one's own, one's own beliefs and preferences, and therefore how you treat the other person. So really it boils down to character, how we treat one another, despite our differences. And doesn't that speak to love even more when we can respect someone and appreciate them, even though they're different? Otherwise, we're just loving a carbon copy of ourselves, and that's pretty easy. <laughs> if we're just loving a carbon copy of ourselves, we're not challenged in any way. So to be able to respect someone, treat them with dignity, even in the face of differences, that's an achievement of love. That is a huge marker of love. So how can we see differences with gratitude? Going beyond just tolerating differences and shifting our perspective, but how can we actually see differences with gratitude and appreciation? Well, like I was saying before, differences allow you to stretch and grow. You're not just loving a carbon copy of yourself. You're not, you know, when, when we have a relationship with someone who has differences, it's going to challenge us. It's going to help us see the world through a new lens, right? Because we're always trying to just reinforce our own way of seeing things and thinking that the way we see things is the only way or the right way or the most superior way. And when we have someone who challenges that, it allows us to go, oh, 
maybe there's value here. Maybe there's value in seeing the world in a different way or doing things differently, or this is an activity or a food I would have never tried if I didn't, you know, if I wasn't in relationship with this person who had these different interests. I was totally like anti-sports when I first started dating Matt. Like, I was just like, all sports are dumb, all sports are boring. And <laughs> he is so into hockey. He's Canadian. Uh, <laughs> he's so into hockey. And he took me to my first ever live hockey game. And I was like, okay, this is actually pretty fun. So he, he stretched, he stretched my comfort zone. He introduced me to new things. He introduced me to new foods, a new way of seeing the world and really helped to help me to grow and to challenge my ideas that the way I see things and do things is the best way. So again, it helps you see value in many perspectives, not just your own. Being with someone who has differences helps you to see the world through a more multifaceted lens. And isn't that such a beautiful thing? And that's gonna ripple out into how you see the world and being able to like see differences with, with so much more beauty and appreciation. What a beautiful thing that we're all different, that we're not all just the same, that we have different interests and, and the way different things that spark us and ignite us and light us up. And we, it's like all these different pieces working together. We're all different facets of consciousness. I think I heard a quote once when I was in relationship anxiety and, and shifting my beliefs, but it was like, each person is a different facet of God. How beautiful is that? That we're all different facets of consciousness or God. We're all different expressions. We're all our own unique color that make up this beautiful prism, this multifaceted prism. So being able to appreciate and, and accept someone's differences helps you to see, wow, wow, what a beautiful thing that we all show up uniquely and we're all a unique, facet of God, of consciousness. And we can also have gratitude for our partner's differences by not just seeing the cons of the differences, but seeing the pros. Because guess what? The things you love about yourself have a shadow side. The fact that I'm like a deep thinker and I'm like so spiritual and so empathic, the thing that I wanted Matt to be, that has a shadow side. That means I'm anxious and neurotic and I take on people's energy and I can have poor boundaries. I could go on with my shadow side of being deep and spiritual and like so empathic and that's the superior way. But all these things that you love about yourself have a shadow side. And guess what? The traits you don't love about your partner have a positive side. You know, I used to just only see Matt's logicalness um, as just like a flaw. But that has been helpful in so many situations where my brain was like, when my shadow side of my depth came out and his logicalness brought grounding and clarity and simplicity. Because he's not this deep existential thinker, 
he is able to actually just enjoy life as it is. The shadow side of my depth is that like, there's always a problem. <laughs> there's always a problem. So the positive side of the thing that you don't like about your partner, what is that? What are the positive aspects of the things that you don't necessarily love? And what are the shadow, again, bringing it back to you. Damn it, Chelsea. I don't want to look at my shadow side. I'm awesome. Well, what it, what's the shadow side of the things that you love about yourself and wish your partner was more like? It took me a while to come to this because I just thought I was awesome. Like I just thought, I mean, I am awesome, but also like comes the price. <laughs> comes with the price. So... The things you love about yourself, what's the shadow side of that? And the traits you don't love about your partner, what's the positive side of that? What's the benefit of that? How does that help you in a lot of situations where you're stuck in seeing things in one way? And finally, we can see differences with gratitude by seeing how differences create balance. It's like the yin and the yang. Differences create balance. When I am in my head and blah, 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 my husband is the stability. <laughs> He's the voice of reason. When we have been stuck inside and not socializing for months, uh, and Matt, since he's an introvert, he would never reach out to anyone. I'm the one who gets us engaging with friends. <laughs> so we create balance for one another. We are a team. Uh, again, I don't know about sports a lot, but you don't want everyone to be a defenseman. You don't want everyone to be a goalie, right? We, we need people who do different things and have different strengths because we're a team. That's what creates a team. So the differences create balance. I love this topic because this is something that I did so, I had so much come up for me and my relationship with differences and my relationship with myself. Um, yeah, I'm able to, I love that, that Matt is exactly the way he is. I love that now. I used to want him to change. And what really needed to happen was I, I needed to change. No, Chelsea, no, not again. I needed to change how I, how, what I believed about my beliefs and therefore how I treated other people due to my beliefs. Thank you so much for being here. I hope this episode was illuminating and enriching. I gave a dose of tough love <laughs> to see right through the tactics of fear, right through the tactics of the ego and how to truly begin to see our partners through this lens of love instead of fear and judgment and criticism. So if you are wanting support in learning how to see your partner through this lens of love, how to navigate differences with respect and grace and even humor, if you want more support with that, we have two ways right now that you can do that. Number one, if you are listening to this episode before October 24th, 2023, we have a workshop coming up on the 24th of October called Loving the Person in Front of You. 
And we're going to be guiding you through experiential embodiment practices to help you shift your relationship with the traits that you tend to judge and criticize and nitpick uh, about your partner. So this workshop is 90 minutes long and it's going to be $55 US. I'm going to post the link in the show notes to that workshop. If you can't attend live, um, you can get the replay and have lifetime access to the replay. Um, If you are listening to this after the 24th and you still want more in-depth, hands-on, experiential support with this, uh, we are taking applications for working with us one-on-one. So I'm going to post the link to apply to work with us below um, and you can get all your questions answered. We can see if it's a good fit for us to work together and how we can support you in being able to love your partner for who they are and not who fear makes them out to be or who the ego expects them to be. So I love, 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 love doing this work with clients. It's my absolute favorite. So we hope that in some way we can support you with this even further than today's episode. Sending you so much love. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I can't wait to chat with you next time.